the Hollywood Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Eamon Baker here, and today's interview is with Jerry McDade. Jerry is speaking about growing up in the bogside during the Troubles. It's been my pleasure to know Jerry over the years, especially in long-distance running. I'm very grateful, Jerry, for you to have shared these memories of your time growing up in the bogside. It's not, I wouldn't remember them all, sure. what, what, what they were, but, but I still, as I told you when I was out running, them visions never leave you. Some keeps you in good state and some doesn't. That particular story, the shots that already happened and we were, were all hanging around the Maiden Park shops, was out the back of Tom McKelly's house. And what age would you have been, Jerry, then? I would say about 14, 15. Around that, all I seen was uh, the ambulance was coming down. And, an uh, ordinary ambulance? No, an ordinary ambulance, just a crowded gallery around, and of course, you're in nosy. And, to get in and all I seen was this young soldier lying and now you know yourself they all look bulky and big with a unit but when the helmet's off now they're only young boys like they're only a few years older than we are he was crying away for his mother and he was saying tell, tell my mother I love her I love her and looked down and they had the flap jacket off him though all I seen was a wee just a wee neat wee hole on the, on, on the front end but see when they were lifting him up, see the back was blue at him. Just looked so surreal. The wee red mark, there was no blood coming out the front. And there was two girls in particular, and they were kicking him. They, they were, were kicking him? Kicking him. Were they speaking? Were they shouting? My memory is that they die, you bastard, you. Something like that there. I mean, just standing there, and then I knew, I was that dumbfounded. I says, I could never do that. They were trying to put the fella under the ambulance and they were kicking and pulling them out of the ambulance. They, they wanted him to die there before he got under the ambulance. And I'm talking, not fellas, this was two girls. Real staunch Republicans. I just stood and says, I don't think I could ever do anything like that. You know, in that age, you're all around that area, you know, in that time. But I, I could never have went on that side. I could have never done that to another human being. There are people down saying the act of contrition over a uh, people has to be human. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's just that certain element was there that just even when I was that young, I was still that taken back. We seen it, the pure evilness of it. Just uh, and did you ever say anything to those women? No, we, no, no. You were standoffish, and he didn't say too much. You know, in that in that situation, they sort of. Rule the roost, as they say. You stepped out of line, you know what I mean? It's just you were kept in line, do you know what I mean? I can still see that soldier's fist. Tell, tell me more all over. Presumably that soldier did die. They died. Would yeah. you remember the name of the soldier, Tom? No, no, I wouldn't. No, as I say, no. I, I, see around them times. Them occurrences. You know, on daily. Do you remember occurrences that, that happened to what you've called our own side? Did you know people who were shot or blown up or... Charles English, George Harkin phoned me, Jared, would you go to Rome with me on Friday? Me and George run together, we've been away in Martins together, just doing his job over there training in the, in the gas yard there now, you know. And I said, well, he says, Michael phoned him the father, do something for Michael him. English? Yes. When I was younger, we used to run from pilots, out of pilots' row. 
We, me, Georgie, Charlie English, and Richard Quigley. Quigley. There was a thing to do something. So, do memory. something in memory of. It's funny how I forgot the end times, Georgie, had to remind me of them. Do you remember the time, God bless us, both those young men were killed? Too? Uh, like Michael had lost his other son, then too was knocked down by the, the Saracen, wasn't it? The, the riot. Bottom of Craig and Hill. Uh, I wasn't present in any of the, the events, like, but I'm saying we, we knew them, like, you know what I mean? We grew how up. Did, like, how did that affect you, Jerry? Or did it affect you? Did you get on with your own life? Or? No, 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 I wouldn't have been really close. Then we had, you know, we we grew up in that same area. We played the football around the streets and done the riding and 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 all that there. You know what I mean? But for memory wise, I think you have to be in that situation, around that situation, when it actually is happening. Mm. Because as we know now, as we grow up, it happens. You have a loss, but you move on, don't you? Like, but they were happening every other day. Something was happening. You're you're living then. Abbott's walk and there would have been rioting going on around. Daily. Daily. And daily. you would have been part of rioting. Oh, aye. The yeah. Daily we were, the gas yard, they had a post that we were up on the top of it every day, rioting, pulling the wires off. And uh, a mine coming from school one day from St. Peter's and the White Saltons used to have all the, the shields on the side all tied on. And me jumping on the side of the Salton pulling the shields off and the next thing the hatch straps down the rubber bullet gone out bang shoulder just threw me off the, the thing went up like a balloon you just didn't realise that you could have been killed in the incidences but that was just all part of the fun there was a fun element as well there was a fun element because it was what we all done that's, mm. that's what we grew up with so there's a level of excitement with that and danger a bit of a uh, thrill it was part of the norm most of your mitts was all going down to do that what are you going to do no were you into the boxing at that stage, Jerry? I, I was. Boxing come later. I, I was no. I was in the. I started boxing. That's what got us the streets. I started boxing when I was, when I was twelve. After I, with St. Eugene's, was it with Patsy Hever? Yes, Patsy Hevern actually came up outside the gas yard where Derek Murphy loved. There used to be a wee play park here years before that. There used to be a wee round, but it was all ruined. They wrecked everything then. Do you know what I mean? A, a wee park. I, I remember as well. They put a ring up and just as everybody to get involved and you know, come on uh, they, they box like was that part of the bca activity was it i think it would, I, I, I think you're right it could have been because i know uh, you you had uh, dealings with terry doherty aye and dean i know they were all on there but see we we're, we're on it we were just talking about before, uh, before about sandra i actually boxed her brother danny wade that night on the on, on this the, ring that Patsy Heverin on, on the ring, me and Danny. That Aye. was the first time. Was that the first time you ever in boxing? Ever in the ring? Aye. Just uh, just so we went done and and then after it, he would come up and say, "You done all right down there? Would you mind coming down to the club?" And that's where I got interested in boxing, mm. which was a great help through my childhood, you know, through the teenage years. Mm. Yeah, because you were down off the streets. And did it take you on the streets, or did you do both? Did you oh, ride away and then? I always oh, you, you don't both, but I got very interested in the boxing. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Led me away a different path. I, I ended up training. I was training five and six nights a week. Because you were very good, Jerry. I well, I was so all right. I was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was all right. <laughs> uh, no, but I did like it. I was uh, I'm not, even now to this day. I think it's great sport. It shows you the ways of. Uh, 
self-discipline. Ah, uh, those uh, definitely is a great sporty. The likes of Patsy Heffern, George McKinnon, and and St Mary's Boxing Club, uh, Tommy, Tommy Donnelly, Tommy Donnelly, uh, and the people that they took off the streets and got on the uh, on the boxing, which Tommy done very well with Charlie and and Damien and yeah. uh, and all that there. They they were great help through the troubles yeah. for people. You started. You got on the ring when you were twelve, fighting Danny. Danny Wade. I, I fought Danny Wade, and I, I was only boxing two weeks, and I was took away to a trip in Scotland. There was boys from the Long Tower Club and St Eugene's Club, and the, the fellas there now, uh, Kevin Kelly. Kevin was married to Lizzie O'Hara. Peggy O'Hara. Peggy O'Hara's daughter, that's in America. Right. Ke- Kevin actually, they actually remarried again. Kevin, he was going, getting on great, but Kevin died. But me and Kevin was boxing together, and over in Scotland, we went to Scotland. Was that the first time you were out of Ireland? Aye, that was, a, that was a, when I was twelve, uh-huh. a, and uh, a cousin of mine's McVeigh, boxed for Long Tower. He was over there too as well. They were, he was a big boy, all saying, you know what I mean? But that was some experience. I, I just got the bug. I loved it. When I think about it, it kept a lot of people. That actual day that they put that ring up, you can think. Me, George, Harkin, there must have been about 20 or 30 people from the bog actually started going down to that boxing club. Where was that, in Orchard Street? Was that it? was down in the, uh, the St. Columns Hall, down underneath the, the St. Columns Hall, Aye. on there. And, and you, you started going down there regular? Regular, regular, and, and getting training. Tuck, uh, training away and getting tucked away for wee bouts here, there, up all over all, Ireland. All over Dungiven, and, uh, Belfast. Belfast, all over. All mm-hmm. over to the, the range in the fights. How much weight were you fighting at? The first time I got on the ring, I, I still got that trophy. I'm a wee trophy down in the house. I was five stone seven. My God. Like metal. How far did you take the box? And now remind me of that. I ended up getting a nail in the eye. Then How I did that happen? That happened at home. Concrete in the back step. And I was actually out. I was actually out running that morning for me run. Part of my boxing training because we were going down the. I think it was we were going to Dublin to fight the Russians under 19 select. I was well, picked you, you were the, fighting for Ireland then? Uh, they go down there at that time. Ah, so you must uh, have been brave and good, like. Under 19, uh, and that was my whole world turned upside down. You know, I was out working since I was 14 with William McCann, saving my time pin over in Kilfinan. Through them times, that there are many days we get put off the site with warnings from the UDA, uh, UDF get off the site, they're going to be shot, we're going to be shot. And, when we were coming home, we'd be getting stoned and then we'd have them run, you know, groups. That was all part of our set. <laughs> that was all the world that, you that, were was, that was a world we were living in. Me and a fella called Pat Kennedy, uh, his nickname Kenter, we used to walk and, the, and then we would actually come up through Irish Street. You know, we would come across the old bridge and go up Irish Street, they cut down yeah. the shortest way and they used to be standing waiting on us. At every single night. They, how come they, you had they, an apprenticeship over there? How did that work? Or how that, did that come about? Wally McCann was uh, the pen contractor. Now he lived in the down right down and where a bloody Sunday happened. He lived in the, the one of the wee flats here. W- William had the contract over there, the private houses uh, and that. And then t- times there weren't too many people owned their own houses and all, you know, and mostly over in that area was all police and soldiers. 
Oh, bad them houses all over there. And were you aware that this was police and soldiers? Oh, I, oh, I've seen, we've seen them daily. I've seen them daily, you know, I mean, going out of their houses and all that. As I say, I was 14 then. Recapping here now, so I'm thinking, there's rioting, there's shooting. You're working over in Kilfenan, but you're also involved in the boxing and, and you're realising that you're, not only that you've got a passion for it, you're good at it. And there are people around you that you know who have lost their lives. Mm. That's... I suppose that's the eighties, huh. and you and you said one of the I suppose that's really really important the accident that happened, and you were saying that that was like a like a heartbreak for you. At that time, I I just was so comfortable with, with my life at that at that age because I loved my job, I loved my life at night. You know, I was fully training every night and, and you know occupied. So you, as you got older, you started to move away from the red and would that be right? Ah, you were moving away. You were more interested in that. You see, I was training Saturday and Sundays, my own then too as well. Yeah. You know, me not running. You were traveling around the country. Uh, you, were I, I, you were going away. Uh, what happened then, Jerry? That uh, after that accident, no more boxing. No, I was lying in my bed. I was actually taking about 30 painkillers. Pain was that severe. It wasn't actually hitting the air. It left me, my body acomatized, you wouldn't well say. I was like I was floating, but the pain was still there. I even mind the, the priest coming in to the house and me telling him to get out. My life's ruined and what did I ever do? They deserve this. So you, is that like you were blaming God? Aye. Aye. And he was Aye. a representative of God? Aye. I was uh, priest down from the long tower. The long tower. Mm. I've never really gone back. Could never ever get over it. And did the the priest try to work you around? No, I knew. I just no. I wasn't having it. Mm. I just wasn't having it, and I wasn't a fight. My whole life had turned up, and I wasn't no mood for listening to nobody Mm. at that time. No. You knew that the boxing was over. I, I, I and. Then at that time, uh, you know, they were talking about turning pro and all this crack, and, and then uh, and who was doing that? Talking Patsy Hebron or other? No, no, Patsy never wanted me. No, you might as well say a amateur. Like all I wanted to do was fight, you know, get on and fight and all that crack. There was a certain party I was going to turn pro with at that time. Then when it happened, I, I don't want to mention who they were, sure, sort of sure, thing, because they, maybe they were, were just trying to help me at that time or whatever. But Patsy got a mercy and a great man he was. He took many a man off of the, the, the street, uh, him and George McCann. At that time, Patsy says to me, rather than me going through that by the, the one I which was looking out for me because the pro game's rough, rough enough here too, guys. Now. And he says to me, he says, look, Jared, go and just get, get the medical. I'll let you go around the circuit. We, we can have the, the wee fights. No, we're not going to no championships. We'll just have the wee bouts, you know, whether biting don't give him biting bunk and bunk can At that stage, I went and got my brother, Daniel, to go through the medical for me. And he got me the medical, no under my name. So I went back and gave it to Patsy, the medical. And the medical was therefore saying you, you were, you could thought fight? They, thought they box, uh, hmm. you know, but so you were pulling up a... I just, I was that passionate, that, you know, I just, just wanted to get back. And I'll never forget it. I came down to the club, we're, we're training away again, and we, I come down and, and he says, I want you to do me a favour. And I says, what is it? He says, look, they've sent up from Cairndona. They're a boy down here, he's very handy. Stoney's with about in the, in the dance clubs. And I told him, 
that have a, a boy up here all sort of out in the ring. Ray McGinnis, she called the boy, Raymond McGinnis. So it was alright, so it was a, my first fight back after my, then we say I was out for 18 months, 2 years, whatever, do you know what I mean? Alex Gibbons got the money bus down and all my mates and my dad, big Tom McLaughlin and Martin Sheegan and all, we all went down to support me, do you, do you know what I mean? And uh, typical Karen Dona man, like big lump and two stone heavier than me, anyway, do you know, first of all. But that was right, and I was all apprehensive about how I was going to perform in front of Patsy. Your man smacked me. Down I went. I got up, just battering him, battering him for, for three rounds in. Just, but he was a big, strong boy. I couldn't stop him. But I gave him an awful hiding for three rounds. Mm-hmm. That was grand. Everything was grand. And big Tom McGlogan came over and shook me hand. He said, you're after me, one of me under pound. One of Karen Dunamian says to him, hey, this boy's a tough nut here. And he gave Tom 2 day one <laughs> put me and then when, uh, when your man put me down he gave me another 2 day one <laughs> on top of it so he won a few points that night so he was all happy about it and I went on then I went on and I had, had another fight and then I done the mistake of not listening to Patsy I went up the, the ulcers also championships. So you were in championship boxing then? I done the championship boxing where if I had to stay away off the circuit you know, because you had the, the medical to go through in the fight so I went done to the medical but they never really done uh, passed the medical there in front of the doctors they never really done the eyes and that was alright so ended up getting through the, the stop the boy and the, the fight and then I, I was the fight story, Sam story. I him done to be British and European champion. He fought for a world title show. He fought Chris Eubanks for, mm-hmm. for a title. So I was supposed to fight Sam story. And I had a wee bit of a black eye. I went up and a doctor spotted it. He seen the nail on me and he says, no, I was crying. And, and he said, look, just let me fight tonight. And that's it over. He agreed with me. And then he came over and he says, I can't let you, he says, my conscience is born, if I let you go on, if anything happens to you, but then we, so that, that was that, that was that over. There's the troubles going on, all that might be happening in, in Meenan's Field and Abbott's Walk, but there's the troubles right at the heart of your life as well, you know, that you had become so passionate about a boxing and saw a way forward in your own life, mm. and then this happened. I'm glad that it's my children didn't see none of it. It didn't come through none of what, what, what we came through. No, no. Do you think it has scared you, Jerry? That you know, being close to seeing the violence where people are killed and and people that you know like Richie Quigley are killed. It is. I know you. You take it the 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 many young men. They'd never got found anything in their lives, really. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? With the, with the troubles and all, and to me, the way the situation is, was it worth all them lies? I don't think so. I'm glad that, that I have nobody belong to me that died for it. See, see what they they have now, and I wouldn't be, as I say, an expert on it. I think I could have got it a lot sooner. That the I, agreement that Stormin with. Could have been achieved. You, you know, maybe I'm not really up on that political side, so I can't really, really say it out. But look at the way John Hume dealt his whole, the, his whole experience through through that troubles and all, trying for that peaceful solution. Mm. How many more lives could have been saved. could have been saved?
that's my opinion on it but I'm glad that it's over and my wings is not having to grow up with all that there Do you ever talk to your wings about what you'd just be talking to me about? No, no My oldest boy would know because he'd, he'd done his degree and McKee, you know and I think he'd done his major subject on Bloody Sunday he'd researched all, all that but my younger boy you know he would come and say to me do you know this and that and, but they, you know rightly that they don't know what really went on there mm. and I don't really want them to I wouldn't want to sit down and tell them mm. you see when I think back in this conversation and I think there's there's two soldiers that have been shot in the vicinity of your home there's uh, Richie Quigley who I don't know if it's a, the correct way to put it blew himself up there's um, Charles English and his brother. No. Uh, there's young McSheffrey. McSheffrey at that that time. And the, all the young men that were in prison. Uh, even when on the that, run. Even when that fella Biddy was shot down uh, down there when we we were riding that day too as well. We were about to ride that day. The fella Kevin Biddy was up there. Uh, down there. I know and who you mean. He was at uh, St Joseph's uh, and, and uh, uh, Monastery. Monastery from Lyman Street. Annette McGavigan. Annette McGavigan. Yeah, and just lived over the street from us too as well. They yeah. were all all in the all in the troubles at that time too as well. Yeah. People never could see out their life. Do you think you say that, for example, Annette McGavigan? Would that have made you, as a young fella, really angry? My honest opinion, as see when. See when the, these things was all happening, it was all the norm. It could have been anybody. Life carried on. And one of the things I, I know that you had hard times after you had to stop boxing, but then, I'm not sure what age you were, but you discovered running. I think you discovered running when you were working in London, uh, doing the paint and decorating. When the boxing stopped, I didn't drink there was 23 or something, do you know what I mean? And then, as I say, we're over in London working, you can have that culture of drinking. And that's when I give myself a good shake and says I'm going to do the marathon in uh, 95. And actually... Your first marathon was 95? No, I actually done the last dairy marathon in 1985. With no training, just... Went and got a shocking, I got a shock experience with the marathon. Everything that you could have done wrong in the marathon, I did wrong. Without fast, <laughs> I, I just had no experience whatsoever. What I was doing behind the crew, we just decided to run this marathon. Me and the brother, uh, I said I would never run normal. What uh, time did you make in that one? Uh, four hours twelve. With no training. Uh, no training. The physical fitness was there. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just three weeks before we decided to do it. But when I got the 20 mile, I knew what it was all about, about when the legs turned to jelly. <laughs> the Martin then was 96 when I went off a drink then and never drunk for 15 years then. Remind us now of the number of marathons you've done. 112. I know it was your dream to do 100 and be a, a 100 marathon man. Did you have that dream in 96? <laughs> no, that was that was never my intention. It was to do one Martin, do the one long Martin, because you're sitting watching it on TV, and I just yeah. decided '95. I, I said, you know what? I'm going off a drink. I'm going to do that next year, and I did train, and I actually done another three marathons with it in '96. 
and it just snowballed, mm. snowballed in on in the. Was that a, something like getting back the feeling of what it was like to be a boxer? Was it? I wanted to do just just sort of bolt open as Stephen Freel, the the boxway Volkrana, he always says, "There's no half measures. You have to be all or nothing." So you went from one in eighty five, one in uh, ninety six, then you do was it three more that I year? I done three that year. And, then and when's it forming in your mind that you're going to do 50 or 100? I'd never formed. I just went on the next year. I was enjoying it. I was doing all these small races in between. Anywhere there was a risk, it was keeping me out of the pub at the weekend. I was doing 10Ks, 5Ks, half Martins, whatever was on. No matter where apart in England there was, I actually done 8 the next year. 8 marathons? The, the next year. And then I done 11 the third year. The fourth year, I done seventeen, and then I came back, came back here to live, and I ended up doing the ten. So I get fifty marathons done in five years. You only stop at fifty. Just later on, I just kept doing marathons, and, and, and then thinking I would never. I was always in the, the group of them hundred marathon boys over in London. I met that, met them through the circuit. No, I'm never going to do a hundred marathons. He just then I got to fifty, and never really thought of thought about it either and then the next thing you're cleaning up the next thing is 60, 70, 80. And so now that you're up at 112, what are you thinking? Are you thinking <laughs> of 150? No, no, just no. I really never thought I would do 100, 100 you take it back in 96, all I wanted to do was a lot more than once. I really enjoyed it. The, the, the highs that I got in the ring was fabulous. There's some great nights I had in the ring and I loved it. But see the the, the 96 running around that mile, the adrenaline and the rush that I got of completing that marathon will never leave me in my, my whole life. Uh, there, it just was, it was fantastic. Was that the most special one, that, that first that, one in that, London? That feeling that I got was, I think it was the whole sense of all the drinking and then stopping and doing that training thinking you would never, never go back to doing that, that fitness thing that you were so used to, years when you were younger, the whole relation, it was just... What, what age were you, 96? I was 36 years of age. Did you go to London because there was no work here? No work, no, not, 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 nothing about here, there was nothing about here. I went over six weeks, going up to Christmas to get a few pounds together, and the next thing, snowballed, I ended up 12 years working over it. I just loved London, the fast lane. It just suited me down the ground, getting up early. I would get up early every morning, do you know what I mean? So mm. I wasn't a, I'm not a great liar on or mm. see that. No half measures. The half the half four and, a, and five o'clock in the morning suits me great getting up and if I was going out they would do me five or six mile run. But that but that came later. I would go on you would get the tubes and the, the thing all day work and then mm. you would do your pri we work in price. You work day. Half two, three o'clock, day down, and back, and be time just went one year later than all year. Just and you were getting your worth over there back here. The money wasn't great, then, anyway, you know. I mean, what I was getting a week back here, you were getting for a day over there. But when you came back, I mean, I know that you you, you have your own business now, Jerry. Aye. So how did you get that set up? Would that did that go hand in hand with? You getting involved in running and, and getting disciplined back into your life after the years of drinking? Never really suited me. If I hadn't went through the bad time, I don't think I ever would have drunk. Still to this day, I don't even like a taste of drink or, uh, you know, mm. 
you need a clear head. They 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 run a business and all. Do you know what I mean? And, and as I say, it started off at small, wee small contracts and got on the education board and picking up clients and touch wood. That's we've been going sixteen years now, and that's 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 been full on. Like it's mm. been good. Like I really enjoy running my own business and being my own boss. I don't think I could go back to they work on actually for somebody else, do you know what I mean? Jerry, let's stop there. I, I, I think we've done enough. <laughs> done. Next week on the Holywell Testimony Series, Eamon's interviewee is Anne Walker. If it affects somebody so much that they go, I don't really think about things differently, or I'm going to look at things differently, and I'm going to let my barriers down, my hatred down, or my bitterness down because of seeing a story, a different side, or something has hit me that I, I didn't think ever would. This is an episode of the Hollywell Trust Testimony Series or Hollywell Podcast, where you can catch up on our on-demand service both on Apple Podcasts and at SoundCloud.com. Just look for Hollywell Trust. I would like to take the time to thank the funders of this podcast, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department for Foreign Affairs, Derry and Strabane District Council, and the Community Relations Council. If you've missed any of our testimony episodes, a special playlist featuring every episode to date can be found at soundcloud.com. Just search for Hollywood Trust and you will be able to stream or download every episode. Otherwise, all our episodes can be found on Apple Podcasts and at stitcher.com. Thank you all. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages on Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust, and on Twitter, it's at Hollywell T.